where should Illinois fans expect to be right. this year? Three and a half is kind of the number thrown out there. If, if they can get four or five wins, I think five would be a super successful season if they're five and four only playing Big Ten games. I uh, kind of quizzed Robert again on his his knowledge. I did that when I uh, did the story on him because he was like, if you name any Illinois game since, I don't know, the year he gave me, I think like 2010, he's like, I'll be able to tell you what happened. So I'm like, all right, here we go again. Round two, we're going to quiz you again, Robert. <laughs> Welcome to the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. Brett Barons along with Marley Weirda. Andy has the day off today as it is Tuesday, October 20th. It is game week, Marley. I don't know about you, but I am just pumped up that we're sitting here. And we're doing this Tuesday <laughs> podcast to preview our upcoming kickoff special, which airs Thursday night at 6.30. But just to say that, just to be talking football and game week, to I me know. is just super exciting. Especially the, when we started this podcast, it was like <laughs> right at the beginning of the pandemic and we're kind of like, oh, are we ever going to get to this point? Here we are so far right now on Tuesday. The game is still scheduled to go on. So fingers crossed it goes off without a hitch. <laughs> and there's, I guess, the big caveat is we hope that it's still going to be played. And while everyone's like, yay, football's back and I am too, I just hope we don't get to a point it's where like, it's like, yeah. oh, crash and burn on Friday. <laughs> or something yeah I don't know there's a lot of questions here that I think go into this and we've seen COVID play a big part in this Jeff Brom from Purdue gets mm-hmm. COVID and now he can't coach this week this isn't going to be like a Nick Saban thing where he's cleared on Saturday morning and all of a sudden he's good to coach that right night. the Big Ten has different protocols than that and it is different for a coach and an athlete which I also think is very interesting in that sense the coaches are 10 days on a quarantine or removed from football activity the athletes are 21 days so if you're an athlete and you test positive, you're out for three weeks. Yeah. That's significant. And Especially that's, in this shortened season that they get already. You're missing a third of the season. Right. I mean, and, and that's not the case in other conferences. So I think that's really important to note here as well as we move forward in this, that if one of these tests come back, you know, as you're a positive, you're you're out. And that is, yeah. that is a big time buzzkill in that. All right. So like I mentioned, we got our kickoff show on Thursday at 630. We taped it yesterday on Monday. I thought it came together really well mm-hmm. in our new studio. Super excited to, to get that out so you can see it. It'll be online and also air on WCIA at 630. But we brought in our analysts, Jeremy Warner from Alana Inquire and 24-7 Sports. You've seen him on our pregame shows. Robert Rosenthal, he'll be joining mm-hmm. you once again this year on Sunday yep. night. Super excited to have him for our Sunday No Huddle segment as we just kind of take a look back about the game and what happened. And Marley, you've, you've known Robert a little bit now. Mm-hmm. There may be no bigger Alani fan in that sense. He's also in the media, and he he plays a really nice balance between that. He's just a unique guy that truly knows Alani sports maybe better than anyone else. Oh, and I am just fascinated with his bank of knowledge because I'll ask him a question or something, and he'll be like, yeah, well, back in 2016, this, 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 and they had this running back with this quarterback, and, you know, then it got better in 20. I'm like, Robert, how how do you remember all of this? It's it's I'm fascinated by it truly. And you got to date him back to like the 90s. I mean, he remembers. The, hey, Robert, can you what what happened in the third quarter of that 1995 game against Wisconsin? And he can probably remember that. <laughs> yeah, no which doubt. Which is incredible. I mean, it, kudos to you, Robert, because <laughs> he is truly one of a kind, and I mean that in the best way. That I I don't know anyone else quite like Robert Rosenthal. 
And I'm super happy for him that Illinois is relevant now because he I cares know. so much. I mean, this is a part of his life. And you did a profile on him earlier this year. I mean, the guy moves from St. Louis to take over Illini board completely full-time, quits his architecture job. I'm sure he's making great money there. He's got his wife's support. Doesn't have to take vacation time now for Illini yeah. training camp. That, and then he, he gets used to none use of his, that. his vacation days. Right. I, when I did the, the story on him, he told me, oh, yeah, I would take – you know, my two weeks paid vacation and come to training camp. Yeah, that's what he does. Who, who is that dedicated? Robert Rosendahl, a lion. On your two weeks vacation, do you? No. <laughs> I mean, we're working out. covering right. training camp, no. but I'm not, you know, taking a trip to go watch Illinois basketball. On my vacation, sorry, <laughs> Illinois Nation. I am checking out as much as possible and putting the phone down, but not Robert, and that's why we love him. So <laughs> you'll see Jeremy on our pregame shows, which will happen Friday about 5.30 on our digital channels, WCIA.com, our WCIA Facebook page, and our WCI app. So we'll have that again this year. Thanks to Jeremy for you know his continued partnership with us as we try and bring you something different and give you the most up-to-date information before the game. And that's going to be more true than ever this year, and especially this first game. We can't get into Wisconsin. They denied our request to go to Camp Randall Stadium. No TV stations allowed, including the TV stations in Madison is what I'm told. And so there won't be any TV, local TV presence there in the stadium. We're not going to drive seven hours round trip to go stand outside the stadium. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me when interviews are online only. And so Jeremy's one of the few Illini reporters, beat reporters, print, who are going to be in the stadium. And we've got him on our pregame show. So excited for him to kind of give us a sense of what it's like at Camp Randall on Friday. It's so it's like an exclusive club that I feel like we can't get into. I mean, it reminds me of like the NBA bubble, you know, I mean, what an experience. I mean, I'm sure we'll get our taste a little bit when we're you know, the only camera operators in the stands and there's no fans, but uh, it's just, it's a very unique situation. So I'm happy for whoever gets to go to Wisconsin this weekend. Exactly. Um, I'm a little bummed that we don't get to go. A little jealous in that. A little that's, jealous, that's okay. but what a, what a cool thing. And at least we kind of have Jeremy on our side a little bit. He can give us some little scoops on the pregame show, hopefully. And like I talked to Jeremy earlier this week, it's going to be up to him in a sense and the other reporters that are there to be the eyes and ears for the other reporters on the Zoom calls after the game and no also doubt. for everyone else in Illini Nation because there's things you can't see on TV, whether mm-hmm. that's injuries, guys warming up on the sideline, all of those types of things that when we're on the sideline at the games, even sometimes we can see things that they can in the press box. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of information there that's being processed that now is going to be up to those Illini reporters there at the games kind of develop right down make sure those things are asked after the games and so you know that's kind of the responsibility that they have in that sense as the quote-unquote pool reporters for everyone else there's probably a good i want to say 20 25 people that you know loosely on the beat that go to the games that are you know covering the team maybe mm-hmm. in the zoom calls now not every you know person is on those zoom calls every single day right but I would say between 20 and 30, pretty strong people that you would have a, a presence with. And maybe more than that for traditional home games. They're not going to be able to credential everybody, mm-hmm. even at the home games this year. They are going to allow uh, us TV reporters into Memorial Stadium, which I'm super thankful for. Yeah. Um, but wanted to give you a little scoop here and a little uh, preview of what's coming up on the uh, kickoff show with Jeremy and Robert. And I had talked to Jeremy one on one in our new studio. It looks great. Hope you can check it out on mm-hmm. online. We're gonna have the entire show posted on Thursday afternoon. But we did a one on one on Zoom with Jeremy just to talk holistically about how he feels expectations should be this season. Six wins is not gonna to equate to what it does in a normal year. Normally it takes six wins to get to a bowl. There's no bowl eligibility requirement this year. If you're 
two and whatever yeah. in your conference, however many conferences games you're playing, you can be eligible for a bowl is, is what the NCAA decided. And so where should Illinois fans expect to be right. this year? Three and a half is kind of the number thrown out there. If, if they can get four or five wins, I think five would be a super successful season if they're five and four only playing Big Ten games. And so here's my conversation with Jeremy about five minutes about uh, expectations for the Illini and Big Ten as a whole this season. Things are going to be a lot different this year, right? So how do you kind of sum up what will be successful for Illinois this year and for the league as a whole? Well, I just think you look at Illinois and the Big Ten West now, and I think the Big Ten West, outside of Wisconsin, and we'll see what Illinois can do week one, but I think the Big Ten West, really two through seven, uh, is pick your poison. I, I think it's, there's really even parity throughout the Big Ten West where I think the best team in the Big Ten West could win five games or the worst team in the Big Ten West could win two division games. So I, I just think it's going to be toss-ups throughout. So it's kind of the wild, wild West. I know people have kind of said that. While in the East, I think you have Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Indiana maybe in the middle, and then some bad teams. I don't think you have that in the West. I think that opens up uh, a lot of opportunities for Illinois uh, that I think is kind of caught up talent-wise to the rest of the Big Ten West. But I think it also means that you're not going into every week uh, favor. You're not going into every week thinking this is a given win, maybe outside of Rutgers, but even last year, Illinois struggled to get that win. So it's a very tough schedule, but I do think it is a schedule where you can go through these and say, well, Illinois can win this game last year when in previous years you would have thought there's no chance. Year five, everyone expects Illinois to make a big jump, including Lovey Smith, and he has said that, right? But how should Illini fans kind of shape their expectations? Because everyone says, oh, six is the magic number. I think you have to bring that down a little bit, right? Only playing an eight plus one schedule. Yeah, I think going into this year with a normal schedule, I'll go schedule 1.0 when we had 12 games. They had the easiest non-conference schedule they'd had maybe ever. Uh, so you're given 3-0, and right? Um, and then you go through the Big Ten, and if you win four or five games, that's a seven or eight win season. I think everybody would say it would be a successful season. Now you're going nine Big Ten games. So if you still win four or five, I think that's a success. But I do think that is should be the expectation because I know inside that program it's the expectation and it's kind of a saying I, I kind of did over the radio show if you're not getting to that level in year five then what are we doing here right I mean you've built up to this roster Lovey Smith has built his expectations up and to be honest with you even though the prep recruiting rankings aren't on par with a lot of the best Big Ten teams the way they've gotten talent through the transfer market, I think they have as much talent as most of the Big Ten West teams. So I think your expectation should be 500. I think your expectation should be that this team should be in the running for a fourth or third place finish uh, in the Big Ten West. And to be a team that um, programs and opponents have to worry about going into every Saturday. Where do you have this team pegged at to get to this season in terms of wins? And then also, you said it, if you're not winning in year five, then what are we doing? Is this a make or break type season for Lovey, given the pandemic and everything else that's happened? I'll answer your second question first. And I would say probably not. I mean, it's, it's a pandemic. Um, it, will everybody be available every week? What kind of injuries will we have? How close will these games be? Um, and you got to think of the financial considerations with Illinois that is losing so much revenue this year that I, I don't know if that's a possibility. And Josh Whitman really believes in Lovey Smith. That said, 
it is time if you want to believe in this program and if this program is going to take the next step it is time to start finishing over 500 in the big 10 i mean illinois hasn't done that in a very long time since the rose bowl that they finished over 500 in the big 10 and that's what this is all about is ron zook wasn't good enough you know, year after year competing in the Big Ten. Even if he made some bowl games, you know, those last two, how excited were people about that? It's about being in the race in the Big Ten. And in year five, I think Lovey Smith has added enough talent to be able to do that. Now he's got to have his guys execute. Uh, the coaches have to coach. Uh, they have to get the most out of this group. So my expectation is this should be a middle of the pack Big Ten West team and maybe one that surprises people. I don't know to the level of Minnesota last year with P.J. Fleck, but why can't Illinois do that? That should be the expectation now. Are you taking it over on a, say, three and a half? I think that's what Vegas has got it at now. I'll go over that. Um, I, I believe in, in the talent on this team. Um, I, I do think my one big concern, Brett, of why I wouldn't say this would be this is the surprise team in the Big Ten West uh, is the defensive line. I think the defensive line is a huge concern for me. Uh, they lose 43 of 52 starts at that position. Uh, you have a lot of question marks where you're looking for guys like Isaiah Gay and Owen Carney who haven't been that productive in their career, or Calvin Avery, can they step up? You're bringing in a transfer Roderick Perry that I know Lovey Smith is excited about, but those guys are really unproven, and you're going to get tested in week one against Wisconsin, but then you're going to get tested week after week, where Illinois, I mean, they've had way too many games giving up 250 to 300 rushing yards per game. You're not going to win a lot of games doing that, even if you get uh, takeaways. So that's my one big concern, but I do think this offense should take a huge jump based on the offensive line they return, returning a quarterback, way more weapons. And I do think the back seven of this defense is really good. Like, I, I think Jake Hansen, Neil Eifer, Nate Hobbs, Sidney Brown, uh, Marquez Beeson, Devin Witherspoon, I think that's a legit top half of the Big Ten back seven. And I think they can be better than that. So I think they got playmakers now. And just being in a system, you know, a defense for three or four years and the same offense for a third or second year, uh, I think that's going to be big for this team. And uh, I do think they'll win more than three and a half games. All right, thanks to Jeremy for his time in that as we took a big picture view of Illinois and the Big Ten as a whole. Here, a condensed version of that. Never enough time on TV to get all of that in there uh, coming up on the kickoff show on Thursday night at 6.30 on WCIA. You talked with Robert more specifically mm -hmm. about some position groups, and as only Robert can break it all down with his history and wealth of knowledge, right. what was your biggest takeaway from your conversation with him? Yeah, I think one of the biggest questions heading into this season was the, the defensive line. What's going to happen there? And he brought up an interesting point. It's not so much, you know, the de defensive line standing alone being a weak position group, but it's with a brand new defensive line. How are they meshing with some of the starters that are behind them, like the Jake Hanses, the Milo Eiflers, the... Um, Nate Hobbs's that are behind this line and how does that cohesion work and um, I asked him a little bit about that we'll hear um, from Robert a little bit um, on that realm of things but uh, he brought up a lot of interesting points as well um, like which side of the ball needs to see the the most improvement this year and the answer actually I feel surprised me a little bit so let's take a look and hear what Robert has to say again fascinating guy and a lot of great great points last season Illinois made significant improvements in nearly all aspects of their defense and a big reason for that was the buy-in to Lovey Ball. Now, Robert, we know that Lovey Smith has emphasized takeaways on this team. They were 12th in the nation last year with 28. Is that something they can sustain heading into this season? 
I think they can sustain the forced turnovers. I'm not sure if they can sustain the actual grabbed turnovers. So, you know, they forced 23 fumbles, but uh, they recovered 16 of the 23. And that's a higher percentage than you're typically going to get. So, um, you know, a defense is going to recover about half. The offense recovers about half. You know, typically you force 23, you're going to recover 11 or 12. So, you know, they teach it, they preach it. It's part of their culture. You know, Dre Brown, who graduated, tweeted the other day how, you know, he, he used to be standing with a ball ready to go in for the next set of plays and some defensive player would run by him and punch it out just because they're trained to, like, do that at all times. So it's part of their culture. It's part of what they do. Will they – recover 70% of the fumbles eh, that was probably a little lucky and they and they and they might not but force 24 again and they're going to grab 12 fumbles well, no doubt they have the talent to do so this year. We've talked about the back seven and just this secondary group. They have a lot of returning starters. Robert, what do you see from from this group this year? I mean, it should be if you're talking specifically the back seven, it should be one of Lovey's best units uh, so far. In, in five years that he's got experienced guys. Nate Hobbs has started for, for, for you know, this will be his fourth year. Tony Adams has started forever. Jake Hansen has started forever. They, they have, they have talent and they have experience and they have transfers like Milo Eifler. And so all the pieces are there. Um, I guess the question is, you know, with a brand new defensive line, does all that hold up or is it, uh, is it a little uh, shakier with, with, with new starters in front of them? Yeah, I was just about to get into that. With this defensive line, we know it's a very young group, not a lot of experience. How much of a liability are they? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not – it's interesting. So, you know, Isaiah Gay and Owen Carney will likely be the starting defensive ends. They've, both, they've started 10 and 8 – or 10 and 12 games – uh, over their careers. So it's not like these are brand new players that have never been around or anything else. There's there's experience there. If, if Jamal Woods starts a defensive tackle, he's started some as a freshman as a defensive end. He started some as a as a junior or as a sophomore at, at defensive tackle. So and then they have the transfer from from uh, South Carolina State who was a uh, you know probably is on the fringe or close to being a kind of NFL draft pick and that's why he wanted to go play uh, up a level and and see if he could prepare himself for the draft. So there's experience there. It's just when you have four new starters, when there's such cohesion between the linebackers and the linemen and what they're doing on every play and the gaps and the reads, when you have new starters and you have a, a, a brand new front there, there's going to be some confusion to start. So that's that's the struggle is, is there cohesion between uh, a new line and these linebackers? And what do you think it'll it'll take to, to figure out that cohesion? Is it just a matter of playing more games, getting more reps, or is it something that they can do ahead of Wisconsin? Yeah, it's probably reps. I mean, the best thing they have going is a, a term you'll throw around with football. The best thing they have going for them is they have an eraser in Jake Hansen. That, you know, coaches will talk about an eraser as, okay, yes, our defensive tackle went to the wrong gap, and yes, the, the safety was supposed to come downhill on that play, and he didn't. But we have a middle linebacker good enough to erase all those mistakes and can get there and fix it. And so that's the hope for this defense is there might be some cohesion issues and such, but hopefully you have – an eraser at middle linebacker who says, okay, yep, there's going to be a few mistakes and I'll clean them all up. 
Well, certainly a big difference between the defensive line and the offensive line. How much of a gap is there between the two, and what do you see coming from the offensive line this season? I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's still question marks for the offensive line, uh, given that the, the rushing numbers weren't as good last year as they were the year before. So there's still some question marks as to why was that the case? Why was there a drop off in the running game? You know, Reggie Corbin was back. Dre Brown was back. Why did the rushing numbers drop? So there needs to be some step up in the run game. But also you have a new starter uh, at left guard. It sounds like it'll be Virtus Brown. Um, you know, he's a four-star recruit. He's been in the program for three years. This is where the four-star four recruits are supposed to just plug in and go. And that's the hopeful thing. So there, there's some question marks, but yeah, when you have a guy like Palcho, like Alex Poteski, who has, you know, he's going to probably set the record for most starts for any Illini player. Um, he should be able to, you know, play and I, I guess COVID may, may impact that, but um, you know, he's, he's started ever since, you know, second game of his freshman year. So when you have that much experience, Vidarian Lowe starting for four years, uh, Doug Kramer starting for four years. When you have that much cohesion, those are the offensive line that Illini fans remember, you know, early 2000s, those kind of guys who had played together forever. And once it all clicks, um, there's there's a lot to like. For sure. Now, for Illinois to be the most successful that they can this year, what which group needs to, or I guess which side of the ball needs to see the most improvement, the offense or the defense, do you think? You know, I would say the offense just because of the numbers from last year. You want to see the defense, let's say in most categories, they were 45th to 50th in the country last year, a little better than the median defense um, improved. They, they lost a fair number of players, all four defensive starting defensive linemen. So you want to see them, you know, fix the defensive line and maybe maintain that kind of a top 40, top 50 out of 130 teams kind of defense. The offense in a lot of categories was 70th, 80th, 90th in the country. Um, that's where the improvement has to come from. They have so many players back. They were dealing with a ton of injuries at the end of the year. They, you know, they had seven injured wide receivers for the Northwestern game. Uh, so with everybody back and a second year for the quarterback and a tailback returning like Mike Epstein and a wide receiver returning like uh, Josh Matterbebe, then, you know, it's it's time for the offense to take a big step forward. And these transfers have played such a big role in building this program. How important will it be for this program to continue to go forward and have this second year for guys like Brandon Peters, Josh Matterbebe, just to name a few? Yeah, uh, it, and not only that, but some of the transfers that are that are coming out eligible, like Luke Ford and 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 others, and and Brian Hightower and such. So, yeah, that's the hope. I mean, that's been Lovey's uh, calling card the last few years is that he's building these guys and he's you know starting freshmen and now they have years of experience. And if there's a hole, he's going out through the transfer market and filling it that way. So. It'll be very interesting to see how, you know, someone like a Luke Ford fits into the office to see how someone like a Hightower uh, can fit with the other receivers. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. Now, Robert, I think we'll end um, with kind of a fun question, maybe a little little Illinois trivia. I know last time that we talked, you said you can pretty much remember most Illinois games dating back to, I don't remember what year it was. Um, oh, sorry, I think you froze a little bit here. 
Oh, the joys of Zoom, huh? I wonder if that's us or. Give <laughs> me a bit of frozen for me. Are okay. you there? You good? Oh, yeah. I, okay. it, it just said uh, it was you froze and I heard nothing. And okay. Yeah. As you were... soon as you started into the uh, uh, a fun question, a fun I, question. Out, so I haven't heard anything. <laughs> All right, yeah, I, you were frozen as well. So I know last okay. time that we talked, um, you said you know you can pretty much remember every single Illinois game. I won't go, I won't say ever, but within yes. recent years. So okay. I'm gonna quiz you again. Let's oh stick on the Wisconsin theme. Do you remember okay. Illinois, Wisconsin, 2016? Uh, 2016 was on the road uh and it was ugly uh uh I, yeah i can't remember i mean that that season was so bad uh that all of the bad losses mixed together no wait was that the was that the you're snow on the right game? track you're on the right track it was, was that the snow game i don't know if it Were was the snow game uh, but it was definitely they, ugly i just went briefly to look at the score and i was like <gasps> Yeah, they, they kind of like gave some hope early and you felt like it would hang around and then it, it just fell apart quickly. But but yeah, I mean, like if there's a season of the last 10 years that I've blocked from my memory, it's 2016 because they, they started playing the freshman and they started turning to like, okay, this isn't working. We're going to have to start over. Let's find out what we have with these Bill Cubic recruits. And so they started playing guys who you know didn't even last the next year. Uh, and so it was almost, I, I've called it a white flag season that like after the Purdue hit, the Purdue field goal hit off the uprights, they said, okay, we're not going to win this year. We're going to go from nine seniors that are starting in, in September. And we're going to go to three seniors that are starting on defense in, in November. And we're just going to start over and see what we can do. And so it was like, why should the fan base tune in if, like there's a white flag waved at all these games. And so that's that's my recollection of the 2016 season. Yeah, I don't think they even scored a touchdown that game. Yeah. I think it was yeah. like 43 to three, maybe. <laughs> Not yeah, good. it was, that was a full on, like, let's start. I mean, you know, this is, this is supposed to be the fruits of that, right? Like you, the reason you play 16 true freshmen or you start 16 different true freshmen in 2017. The reason you play 22 of them is that three years later, they have insane experience and you go out and you out experience and you out cohesion everyone. And that's supposed to be this season. So that's what, you know, the, the point of playing that many kids and waving the white flag and saying, we have to start over and build from the ground up is to then have a season like 2020 where you have 20 seniors on the team and you're starting at least 12 of them and you, you take a big step forward. Right, I mean, this is supposed to year. Do you see this year matching the hype or exceeding expectations that have been set? You know, the thing that has me so curious is a lot of the predictions. Uh, you know, there's, there's an early line out on the Wisconsin game that says 23 and a half points. You know, last year was 29 and a half, and, and it's like, okay, is it, is it really that? Like, they expect the same Illinois team that they expected maybe this time last year? I, You know, it, it, it has me in the spot of like, okay, there's something I'm missing here because these lines wouldn't be this crazy, and the over-under wouldn't – you couldn't 
you know, set an over under at three uh, out of nine with a game. Like there's there's something that maybe I'm missing because you're supposed to see an experienced team coming off a bowl game with most everybody back, number 12 in returning production in the country. That's the type of team that is supposed to go out and do what, say, Minnesota did last year with all their seniors. Of, okay, we're now experienced. We're going to go win a lot of football games. So that's the hope. It's just, uh, you know, at least Vegas-wise, nobody seems to think it's going to happen. And yet then there you can see that I uh, kind of quizzed Robert again on his his knowledge. I did that when I uh, did the story on him because he was like, if you name any Illinois game since, I don't know, the year he gave me, I think like 2010, he's like, I'll be able to tell you what happened. So I'm like, all right, here we go again. Round two. We're going to quiz you again, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, our Zoom call froze in the middle of our one on one. So the joys of Zoom, I feel we're all trying to navigate that new new way of doing interviews <laughs> and we're glad we can bring you the whole robert interview in this sense <laughs> yeah. because he likes to talk and he's got so i know much cutting him down to a minute 30 i was like robert oh, <laughs> you're great but like how do i f like it's it's he gave me what 10 minutes of of gold and i had to smush it into a tiny little segment so you guys got the whole thing <laughs> that's great and that's what the podcast is for that's the design of that and we'll I'll post the whole thing on our website as well so you can see it in video form in our brand new spanking set, which I'm super excited about mm -hmm. to be able to show that off. And our whole sports team as well. I know Andy's not here today. Uh, he's still transitioning into sports full time, but that's coming for him. He's super excited to, to get into that role and continue to tell the best Illini stories. And we're hoping that that's going to include basketball this year. Brad Underwood says Fingers he's 100% confident the season is starting on November Without 25th. Without a doubt, he says. Yeah, those were his <laughs> exact words to my question to him. How confident do you feel the season's going to start on time? And he said, Without a doubt. And I hope he's right because I know a lot, a lot of people are looking forward to seeing this Illini basketball team mm -hmm. this year. The most hyped team in 15 years. I think that's pretty fair to say. Right? 16 years dating back to 2004, 2005, when I think everyone expected them to get to the final four i don't think a lot of fans should feel bad saying we expect this team to make another deep run i don't know if final four is is in that like if they, if you're putting that on it it's, right now that seems a little premature but i don't think there's anything wrong with saying without a doubt this is a top 10 team and more often than not the top 10 teams make the final four so right? i don't think you're that far off in that sense and Brad Underwood is not really shying away from that hype either, which he he has hyped things in the past too much. <laughs> okay, like, he's made some comparisons in the past that he's back had to back away from. Like, okay, well maybe I shouldn't have said that, but by and large, he said, "Yeah, we're owning it, and we need to figure out how to do it." Yeah, maybe he has, it's this newfound confidence, like what forty pounds down yeah. now. I mean, he look. I know you did the story on him walking what twelve seven yeah, miles said, like, a day, eight. 10, 12 miles a day, and, and yeah. he looks the part. I mean, uh, he's got a lot of confidence. And he looks looked great. way skinnier in this in the Zoom interview that we did. So, like, Brad, he's a new man. He's coming out with this this confidence and, I guess, building into the hype of that team. Cause he's, <laughs> he's ready to go. And believe me, I know Alana Nation is ready for that as well. There's been so much desire for this program to get mm -hmm. back to where it was. Hasn't made the NCAA tournament since 2013. And that is still going to stand, you know, the asterisk of 2019, 2020 right. season. There's there's no NCAA tournament there. So, you know, when it pops up on Selection Sunday and Greg Gumbel reads whatever, Illinois first time in the NCAA tournament since 2013, that's, that's still going to be there. So, right. you know, look, we get it. We're <laughs> hungry. We're excited to cover it too. And, and we hope that the season happens and they're able to get it in, you know, no problems in that sense, no huge layoffs, no 
big time players out for whatever that length of time may be for COVID or, you know, the other team too, because you could be completely healthy, but the other team's not. And now all of a sudden you face the consequences there because yeah. the team you're playing is, is not able to play the game. And so, and especially with them trying to dabble in some non-conference games as well, especially, I mean, we saw the difference between, you know, how the big 10 um, tested right. their coach versus how Nick Saban is, is being treated. So that's kind of the fine line that, or like the gray area essentially that I think they're trying to figure out is how do we play schools that aren't in our league safely yes. because there's a ton of great basketball programs outside of the big 10 and it would be great for Illinois to to get some of those matchups and prepare for for this year and every conference has its own kind of thing you know mm -hmm. but that's the problem with football in a sense in college football is that the power five is looking out for itself in that sense that right. every conference is going to do what it's going to do in basketball, it's all owned by the NCAA, all, all of that ownership. They can take a little bit more uh, say and, mm -hmm. and have a little bit more into those decisions for testing. I think it's really positive, but it's still going to be different because a school like Southern Illinois can't afford the things Illinois can. Right. So how do you figure out that mesh? Your mid-majors and low-majors especially can't test every day in that unless the NCAA is going to pay for it, which maybe they will. I don't know. We haven't seen those things yet, but... They paid for my flight home for Thanksgiving once. There you go. <laughs> that was after we went to the Final Four at the college. I don't know if you guys knew. But Final Four, bad. We <laughs> any chance I can throw it out there, I'm like, you oh, should. yes. That one time I went to the Final Four. <laughs> yes, you're in the Final. It doesn't matter what division it is. You're in the Final Four. That's way better than I can say. Yeah, so the NCAA, because it was right before Thanksgiving break, essentially. Right. Um, we played on whatever, like a Sunday, and then we weren't going to go back to Ithaca. So anybody that needed a flight home. There you they go. Pay for it. Take advantage. I've of never that. felt so cool in my first life. First class? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, bummer. Right. I think I had like a middle seat of in course, like the twenty fifth row, but yes. <laughs> yes. whatever it was free. <laughs> it's hey, it's free. We'll take it, right? All right. Uh, I want to try something new here, Molly. Let's do uh five questions. Okay. To get to know you and me. Oh. Just something new. Okay, something that's kinda fun. This is I'm like put you on the spot. Fun fact Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. So okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you first. Okay. All right. Would you rather prefer cake or candy? Uh, cake. Okay, what kind? Um, like the chocolate and vanilla together Ooh. from Publix. If you've See, have you no been Publix to a Publix? Here. I have, I but there's no Publix here. It, they have the best chocolate and vanilla Bummer. like birthday cake essentially. Okay, all right. Okay. Now it's your I was time. rapid. Okay, we're going back and Just forth. Just back and forth. Um, it's favorite your kind of cereal. Ooh, see, I don't eat cereal. But if you had to pick Super a favorite, bummer. If I had to pick a favorite, it would be Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Mm. But I, we can't buy it at my house because I'll just eat the whole box. Yeah. <laughs> or like the so, kids will get into it. And yeah, that too. But it's mainly high. just me. I can blame <laughs> it on the kids, but it's mainly just me. So I uh, I don't, we don't buy it. Yeah. Because it's bad. Because I'll eat the whole thing. That's fair. All right. Thin crust or thick crust pizza? Thin. Is that New York? Yeah. From that, what's it in Florida? Is there, um, is there even thick crust? Well, okay, the best slice of pizza I've ever had in my entire life was actually at a restaurant in Florida, like next, it was like in my town growing up. And um, they, I guess the owners like moved away, like they moved back to New York or New Jersey and the restaurant closed. And I'm so upset because it was the best pizza Damn. ever, like garlicky, tomatoey. I'm a really big like sauce gal. 
sweet uh, or no um i prefer spicy actually okay but nice. i think this was on like the sweeter end actually but it was just, it was just so good and it was kind of i don't want to say it was like a thin crust but mm-hmm. it, it had a little meat but it wasn't like Huge. these chicagoans no, here call it okay pizza that's casserole all right you go um would you rather have toes <laughs> For fingers or fingers for toes. <laughs> this is the content everybody needs. Uh, I like fingers, so give me the fingers option. Fingers for toes? Yeah, if I had to pick. Yeah, because I knew you could wear like size like 15 Jordans. Yeah, exactly. That'd be kind of cool. Fingers much better than toes. I'm not really. And I don't, toe nobody person. wants like stubby little like. Yeah, no thanks. Hands. Hard pass <laughs> on that. All right, that's good. I got to go. Was that three? I, uh, I don't know, was it? I thought Convertible we did more or five? Jeep. Uh, ooh, Jeep. I think I'm more of an SUV kind yeah. of person. Um, I'll think of one more. Mountains or beach? Beach. 100%. Yeah, I think I. I that Not wasn't a fair close. question. I think I knew what you were going to answer. answer <laughs> but that's okay. I love the mountains. Don't get me wrong. But give me a beach, a book, and a cold beverage all day long. Yeah. Well, if you go to California, it can go Find in between two exactly. and like a couple hours. That'd be all right too. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks so much for watching, listening. We're back visually. I love it. We're good to go there. Hey, still social distancing, kind of. We're good. Sports department, we just roll together. All right. Hey, we'll do do it again soon. We're going to have some more content, uh, digital-only content coming this week. Really excited about that. Bobby Roundtree is going to join me on Friday night for a simulcast of the game on our Facebook Live page. Super pumped to have him. He's going to share a little bit about his progress, what he's doing how he's coming along. So join me there on our Facebook page Friday night. We're going to have a uh, kind of reset after the game in here on Friday night to kind of wrap everything up. A lot of stuff coming. Super excited about it. But for Marley, I'm Brett. This has been the 3-in-1 Podcast.